Hey fans and subscribers, this is your host Joe from the Gaming for Insight channel, with you to host episode 2 of the Handheld United podcast. The main topics we are covering tonight extend to this year's Consumer Electronics Show, or CES. More on two Intel gaming handhelds to release, and the NVIDIA RTX 40 line Super Launch. Joining us tonight for this podcast are three other channels of Handhelds United, Gamers Generation, Project SBC, Windec Tech, and CPPC Tech. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Howdy. Hey, how's it going? Hey, yo. And for those watching from home tonight, feel welcome to share your comments with us in the chat, and we will speak to them before we transition to the next topic. So let's begin with topic one, gentlemen. CES extended from January 9th to 12th this year, in Las Vegas and is considered the most influential tech event in the world. For those that may be unfamiliar with it, it is hosted by the Consumer Technology Association or CTA and provides the experience of new and coming Internet of Things technology and consumer products. Some of the items that made an impression are the MSI Claw, the HP Omen Transcend 32QD OLED gaming monitor, and others. So Gamers Generation, let me transition to you. What products stood out to you for the CES this year? Thank you, Joe. Um, so there are a lot of interesting and let's just also say crazy tech that was showing at CES this year. Same as every year you could say, but I think that in the interest of our audience, there were definitely some things that stood out. Uh, something that stood out to me was this concept car let's call it but it was an lg car that was basically screen to screen or um the interior was just all screens uh, and there's a video by jerry riggs everything where he shows all these screens and uh presumably it would be an automated car so it's self-driving when this thing would actually hit the road and the thing that's really interesting is actually the chairs kind of swivel 180 degrees to face the center and then this little I guess a pedestal comes up and then there's a controller in there. So, I mean, they're very much uh, pushing the idea that you could be gaming while you're, you know, getting transported by this car. And I just thought that was uh, something interesting. Um, more interesting, though, for our audience, I think, are all the different types of technologies related to handhelds and laptops and such. One that might have flown under the radar for for our um, ROG ally people is um, that the ROG Nook is coming out. And for those unfamiliar, the Nook is the mini PC that is branded by Intel. And Intel said that they were bowing out basically. And so Asus is taking over. I think that this is a very interesting thing because we might actually get to see some more devices that have that XG mobile port on them more than just, you know, a couple of laptops. What do you gentlemen think about that? Um, I think the Intel NUC abandoning it to Asus was actually really good because it gives more opportunity for AIB partners like that to take over. And Asus has always done a really good job with their small small form factor PCs. I actually think um, the XG mobile ports kind of, mm, I'm not as excited about it as anything else with like Oculink and so forth. It's just the price to entry seems a bit high. Uh, but the PCs themselves are, are seemingly going to be pretty packed. It'll offer... Um, for example, like a, a 4070 and a 1400 KF, which is really beefy. So 
I think that's more than enough. I would really like to see him offer something a little higher than a 470, but you know, with XG Mobile being able to plug into them, probably wouldn't be as big of a concern. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely am here for it. Can't wait to see him come out and see how the cooling is and how well they perform. Windback, so, I know you have some must, experience. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to go through it here. Are you see the the Asus Nooks are supposed to have the XG Mobile port? No, I'm just speculating. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Well, if they do, then that's a bad move. Um, I would advise against it. The XG Mobile is kind of uh, a crap interface, in my opinion. Um, honestly, if they were to do anything, I would just lean heavily into Thunderbolt 5 if they can get their hands on it. But I know that it's going to be an Intel thing for a while. and Or actually, no, didn't they? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they open up the standard or something like that? Um, I believe... Either way, I'd, I'd rather see it go uh, Thunderbolt as opposed to XG Mobile. Uh, XG Mobile, in my experience, has just been yeah, completely crap. You're limited to just whatever the hell they give you, whenever the heck they want it. And it's typically limited to the laptop uh, variants of the GPUs as well, so that's always a kick in the teeth on top of everything else. And it's a trade-off as well for the data whereas some of the data loss may occur with Thunderbolt versus the XG mobile proprietary connection, which is the combination of the Thunderbolt with the Oculink port. Yeah, so the way I figure it or understand it is, yeah, is that the XG mobile is the Thunderbolt port with the addition of the Oculink port, but like kind of tuned to whatever the heck Asus did to it. Uh, for now, though, the XG Mobile port has, I believe, uh, 50 gigabytes per second down. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. It yeah, is not, it don't is have those than, numbers either. Yeah, I'm just trying to see if I can find it real quick. But regardless, so as it stands right now, it is faster than Thunderbolt 4. But going forward, Thunderbolt 5 will be much faster than the XG Mobile port. So it's one of those things where they either have to come up with something new or some, develop some sort of new technology or just abandon it altogether and go for Thunderbolt 5 if they can. CPPC Tech, regarding the CES this year, what stood out to you? Um, most definitely the MSI. You know, that, that whole handheld has been interesting to me from day one. You know, I really really am an Intel fanboy. I'm sure everyone knows this, but after seeing the cooling on it, how well ventilated the back plate is on it, I think it's going to handle the cooling quite well. You know, in the beginning, we were having a lot of naysayers saying, oh, it's going to overheat, you know, this, that, and the third. And I'm just like, I'm trying to stay as positive as I can about it. I've seen some videos with speculations on what the power profile is going to be like and what the performance is going to be like. And if it's anything close to that, we'll be pretty happy to see it. I just don't know yet about the battery life and so on. Um, there's been a lot of speculation on the screen as well, and I'd like to ask you guys what you think about it. Um, I was having a discussion earlier if it's going to share the same screen as uh, the ROG Ally. I theorize it's going to be the exact same screen as the ROG Ally. Uh, there's been questions asked if it's going to support um, variable refresh rate and so forth. I have no clue on that, but I am fairly confident based on what I've seen and heard that it is the same screen as the ally do you guys have any thoughts well, on that or well let's let's exact 
Let's reserve, so, yeah, let's reserve that topic if we can for the next topic at hand and see if we can get some coverage on any of the other items, if it's agreeable with everyone that were shown at CES. There were some other products like the Razer Blade 16 laptop. We did talk about the NUC PC, the, a the X Gimme Aladdin projector. Mm -hmm the LG OLED M4 TV, an Alienware computer, and others. Any Did anything else stand out to um, any of you that you would like to talk about for CES? And then, if if we can, we can transition into focusing solely on the Intel handhelds. I know in terms of uh, laptops, they have uh, the new G14s and G16s coming out, so those are, like, completely redesigned. So those are the small, like, kind of high-end but like sleek looking gamer notebook whatever like they're not the heavy duty full watt 185 watt whatever gpus but they can get high up there uh but anyway so they're the ones that have the ergo lift hinge so when you push up the display it'll pop open the keyboard like kind of pop it up uh so there's more airflow underneath so they got rid of that now and they shaved off some millimeters but on top of that they also made it so uh, the highest end SKU for the G14 was with a 4090. Mind you, it was only clocked at 130 watts, I believe. Uh, but now you can only get up to a 4070 with those. But it comes with the uh, the newest 8000 series Ryzen. So it's one of those things where if you really wanted the high end 4080, 4090 models, then you're kind of SOL now. But now hopefully they can kind of tame everything else in now that they don't have such a high performance profile that they're kind of targeting now but yeah beyond that uh, there wasn't too many there was the uh, two-in-one laptop from lenovo as well that android uh android windows tablet i'm not sure if you guys saw that one yeah that one looked very interesting i think uh yeah i think that, that was from uh that was from lenovo as well yeah i saw that running in headless mode and uh quite a while ago i made a framework kind of headless laptop thing and so when I saw that, you know, kind of reminded me of that framework project I did. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. Well, in framework, don't they sell the, uh, like, little kits or something that you can reuse, like, the internals of their laptops as, like, a kind of standalone yeah. desktop almost? Yeah, they do. They've got, like, a little case you can get for it, and uh, you can get a lot of the other parts, too. Basically, I just reconstructed the bottom half of a framework laptop, and it worked. Nice. I was looking into getting one, but when I was looking at a 14-inch one, honestly, the uh, I think at that point, their wait list had gone into like this year. So I was like, yeah, screw that. Well, I speaking think... Of, oh, go ahead, Project SBC. I was going to say, speaking of other things Lenovo brought to CES, they did bring back an eGPU. However, it's not Thunderbolt. I know a few years ago they had a uh, Lenovo Boost station, and uh, now they've come back with an Oculink yeah, eGPU. Yeah, I want to get my and hands on that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be foreshadowing. You know, I'm a big Legion Go fan, and uh, if Lenovo does round two for the Legion Go, that may have an Oculink port on it. Well, they had it set up with the 14-inch laptop there, right? I can't remember. I think it was an all-new laptop. Well, it was an all-new laptop with the Oculink port, obviously. But it was a 14-inch class laptop. But I don't think it had a dedicated GPU in it at all. Maybe just the CPU. But I could be wrong on that one. I believe you're correct. 
Well, but not was, to be too tangential, but I'm waiting on different Joy-Cons for the Legion Go. Yeah, yeah, honestly. I need that ergonomic curve where my gentle hands. Honestly, looking at the One X Player 2 right now, like I'm just downloading random stuff onto it. It's what I wish the Legion Go was, <laughs> ergonomics-wise. Well, speaking of One X Player, we can next transition to that topic. However, right before we do that, I'd like to turn to Gamers Generation. What are we seeing in the comments tonight for our first topic? Are you guys able to hear me? I can hear you. Okay, um, just check. Yeah, yeah, basically in the comments, we've got Jed. Howdy. How's it going, bud? And we've got Pockpock in there. Hey, guys. A little late this time, sorry. How's it going, buddy? And uh, we got Gerardo at the top. So we've got a few people in chat. If you guys have any questions, definitely drop it below, and we'll be happy to answer those questions. If there's any products you saw at CES, definitely let us know. And if we have time, we'll round back around and uh, tell you what we think. And, uh, if you have any questions, we'll answer them as we go if we have time. Oh, yeah, we got Jed uh, making pancakes. So topic one has Jed uh, making pancakes is what I'm, I'm well, understanding but... here. Yeah, CES can be quite exciting. I don't know. Pancakes and CES. That sounds that sounds nice. Watching CES with pancakes. There you go. Okay, well, I think we can transition into topic two. I'm going to set this up for us, gentlemen. There are two Intel gaming handhelds that are on the horizon, at least as of now. That may be the choices for this year, but it is too soon to tell for the rest of the year. Those two that are in the spotlight right now are the MSI Claw and the One Netbook One X Player X1. What viewers may be wondering is what are the similarities and differences between them, and do each of us have a personal preference of one over the other and why? We have touched on both of these handhelds in one or more of our past podcasts for those that have joined us again. Though before we start on this topic, I would like to share with our viewers, though, that one of our fellow founders of Handhelds United, OKS Gamer, did upload a video on his channel, and it was scoped to the MSI Claw and the news for it. And this video he uploaded just five days ago. So we strongly encourage to our viewers that if you have not seen this video yet, then do tune in to watch it after the show and Special thanks to OKS Gamer for uploading that video for us. Trans Let me transition to you, Windeck Tech. What information about both of these Intel handhelds are you intrigued with, and do you have a preference so far for either one? Uh, honestly, I'm not too jazzed by either of them. Uh, honestly, I think the claw, like it, the more and more I look at the claw, like it just seems like a rehash of the ally, to be honest. Um, like, honestly, like the down to like the button placement, like even like the little their quick toggle button placements, it's just like holy smokes. <laughs> it's like it just looks like they could took a canister. There are striking it. similarities between yeah. the two in design, ergonomics, even the RGB with that extra feature with the XYBA buttons as well. There are yeah, some distinctions. But I but, think it's safe to say that MSI was watching very closely the ROG Ally. I'm, again, speculating here because there are some striking similarities. Let me turn to the others here, Gamers Generation, CPPC Tech, Project SBC. 
How about you all? Preferences? What are you intrigued by? So I I actually like the MSI Claw. The the one thing they've seemingly improved on as far as the aesthetics is they did give it a better grip. Uh, that was one of the complaints some of the people I know, including myself, with the Ally. It was just a little thin, a little flat, and it just didn't feel as comfortable in the hand. So having that extra grip on the ends is going to be very beneficial. And uh, you guys know I'm into my cooling and you know, modding the back plates and trying to squeeze as much air in there as possible. It does look like they have the back plate very well vented, as I mentioned earlier. I'm here for it. I think it's a good design, and they just borrowed some of the elements. It does look like a black ally if you look at it and, you know, a quick resemblance of it. But I think it's going to be a great handheld. I'm very hopeful for it. The, the Intel CPU is very interesting. Basically, everything that I've seen so far about it is very promising. I'm not going to, you know... I guess put all my hopes in one basket, but I, I do think it's going to come out of the box swinging. You know, I don't think we're going to have a lot of caveats to it per se. I don't think the battery is going to be as strong as what they claim though. That's probably the one negative that I have to say about it is I'm very skeptical of the battery, but as far as the one X player, it's, it's a nice tablet gaming tablet, whatever. It's just, it's kind of odd in my opinion. I probably won't pick one up. I, I won't say I won't. I would love one, but it's going to probably come down to price. The specs are nice, but I'm guessing it's going to be a thousand or higher. And as far as like value proposition and use case for me, the claw wins it for sure. I would take that over any of my handhelds or any of that at that point. Well, in addition to that, and that's a good point as well, the availability of each. So for the one netbook handheld that is very unlikely to be available in someone's local best buy whereas the msi claw i don't have a confirmation as to whether this will be but it may be more available than the one netbook so that is a variable to consider when making a purchase like with any handheld in the past that's true Oh, yeah. I, I'd assume that you'd be able to get this wherever you'd be able to get an MSI laptop or pre-built whatever, whether it be Best Buy in North America or Curry's, Micro I think, Center in Europe or something well. like that. Or, yeah, exactly. Whereas, yeah, the One X player, you're going to have to go through either whatever, <laughs> uh, Indiegogo, whatever they posted on first, and yeah. then go through their website or AliExpress or wherever. But the one thing I will say about the uh, Claw as I was really hoping that that pro model or the, the third step up, whatever model with the terabyte had 32 gigabytes of Ram. Um, granted the Ram that's in it is fast Ram, but still like I, I would have liked to see 32 gigs of Ram at least. Uh, whereas the one X player, I believe you can likely get up to 64 gigabytes, if not 32, at least I'm sure. But, uh, beyond that, like that would just be more so for, if you are attaching an eGPU or anything like that, right? Especially more so with the One X player with the Oculink port, but even still with the Thunderbolt 4 on the uh, Claw. And that's interesting. And, and I'm glad you brought up the memory capacity too, because for our last podcast, we showed the video card source on the MSI Claw, and it was alleged in the specifications that it was 32 gigabyte of LPDDR5 at 
one of those versions at least. Yeah, I had seen that as well, and I had assumed that that would have been like the higher priced one. But I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure we saw the same sort of thing with the Legion when the the specs of that were kind of leaking out. I, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing somewhere that there was going to be the 32 gigabyte option, and then also the the Z1 non extreme option that we never got. Right. Very true, very true. Gentlemen, any other thoughts, preferences for these two Intel handhelds? Well, it will be disappointing if it doesn't have 32 gigs. I will say that. I haven't seen much on uh, specs as far as memory amount. They've kind of kept that tucked away from what I've seen. But if they don't have that, that's going to be kind of a, a mm -hmm. letdown for some, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at their spec page right here, and uh, it doesn't specify. I think they've intentionally kept that obscure. But I really do hope they go with 32. I hope that sets a standard for all the other manufacturers that people do want 32, and, and they should be Yeah, I believe it was, like, it was the LTT video, I believe it was, where I saw, like, the three different SKU options that they had. But, yeah, it's not not official, I suppose, but... I think that's where I saw that the the uh, middle and top end had the 16 gigabyte, and then even he said like, "Oh yeah, go for the middle option with the 512." I am going to speak up a little bit on the X1's behalf because I'm one of those people that is geared towards that kind of device. I don't like to do just gaming on my device, like my Legion Go is my computer right now. And oh, yeah, uh, no. having the X1, yeah, having the X1 with that giant screen is like a godsend for me. And uh, I think the only thing that uh, people might be concerned about is, you know, it's a Chinese company and the customer support. And if you've had any of their keyboard accessories, you've known that their keyboard trackpad aren't the best. You're being and I've asked nice. them. <laughs> yeah, the, Jesus Murphy. <laughs> well, now, now, hold on. I have too nice. <laughs> I have a one X. I have a one X fly. And I've enjoyed my experience on that. It was a smooth, so a smooth process. That's because it you haven't used the stylus exactly. or it the detachable controller. Yeah, you, you mysteriously you yeah, you mysteriously lost the stylus that I'll never get to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you can replace it at Walmart for five dollars. Um uh Joe, um, there is actually a picture that has been leaked of the X one. Uh it looks like um and I'm I'm being generous here, as uh, one of our regulars and moderators of the of our server knows, Paco, uh, that it looks like one of those you know telescopic controllers that that just stick on the back of the, the tablet. That this is what it looks like. Oh, yeah. Everyone is saying that you know MSI is being kind of cagey about the memory configuration. Uh, you want to talk about cagey? One Netbook has not been showing the the attached controllers because it looks ridiculous. I mean, people were clowning on that TJD, um, T, TJD uh, T101 or whatever yeah. before. This this thing is just, I mean, it's a tablet. And you've you've stuck on the GameSir or iPega controllers on the back. That's essentially what it is. Well, it's not worse than the GPD-1 Max 2 that I use. And I love, in fact. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's a different thing, though. I mean, we, we could probably argue about that all, all night and, and everyone I mean, watching. In but terms I, I, of like ridiculousness looking. Oh, well, no, I, the reason why I say that is because like the WinMax 2 is, I believe anyway, a laptop first and then a handheld second. But it works, right? Like this thing is trying to be too many things at the same time. Like it's trying to be a tablet at, essentially 
that you stick these controllers on? I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't think it works. I I don't know. It doesn't work any less than the Legion Go. It's yeah. just a bigger screen. No, I, I, I think so, simply because of its size. You know, like, I think, I mean, this is obviously a very subjective thing, but, like, I think my personal opinion is that, like, around 8 inches is, like, the ideal screen size. You know, 8, probably 9, like, where the Go is, is probably, like, the max. After that, it's not portable anymore, Correct. you know? Uh, I can, yeah, for the portability aspect, for sure, but I can still see, and I know that there is the subset of people out there that... Especially when the Legion Go came out, like they'll use it as a tablet quite often, like when they're in bed watching videos or whatever. So I know there is a market out there for people that would probably enjoy, if not like the Legion Go screen size, if not a little bit bigger. And they were like, you have to remember too, that we have multiple handhelds. We have multiple devices, whatever. If somebody's just going for one device and like, hey, if I want something to consume media on, on an airplane, but also play games on, and that's all I have the budget for that'd be a cool option to kind of look at, right? Like whether it would be the option to go to, I don't know, but it's just kind of, it's at least it's servicing a different market, right? Yeah, it's going to be a bit wieldy in the hand. I'm oh, yeah. probably going to more lean towards, I think most people are going to find it a little bit more comfortable to set it in tablet mode and use like an Xbox controller or use oh, a definitely. controller. That's my oh. preference for bigger devices anyways. Like, even on my ally, I'll use it on a stand and use my Xbox uh, controller. I absolutely love it that way because I just I feel like I can focus more on the game and I don't have to worry about holding anything. It's it's a bit weird, but when I'm on the go, oh, I'll, I'll love using it and I enjoy it. But if I'm at home sitting somewhere, I'll just set it on a table, use my stand, have my controller, and just enjoy. But it is a bit big and it is a bit concerning to feel how well it will fit in your hands <laughs> well it'd be a hell of a lot more comfortable than gpd1 max 2 i'll tell you that right now yeah. <laughs> that, that will be for sure <laughs> actually eh, i don't know yeah depending on how short those wings are on the controllers <laughs> yeah it does look odd a little bit odd being there yeah like it, it does look like they could have made the controls a little bit bigger granted it's not a final design i'm sure but still <laughs> yeah. let's see how that pans out is there a productive uh, release date on it yet or anything, or is it still? Uh, I think they were doing something. I think they're doing the launch. Uh, January, January 16th, 16th, according to the article uh, that we the... are. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is for the one netbook X1. Is that yeah. when orders start? I, that's what I imagine. Yeah, it'll be okay. like through Indiegogo. I, yeah. I don't even think they have an Indiegogo page fully up yet, so it'll likely be whenever or whatever fundraising thing that they use. There's one disturbing thing I have to mention about the the uh, one one X player X one, and it applies to the claw too, right? I mean, less so the claw, but all of their promotional um, footage has always shown it connected to the one X GPU. Like none of the none of the gameplay is standalone. So I'm just thinking, like, how bad is it that they're not showing it without the eGPU? Yeah, really. Well, that's. I, well, I think know. that aligns too with them selling their eGPU as well. So they want you to yeah, buy both of... products. I, I'm not speaking for them, but it would make sense to say, well, you could have this instead. Because if there is the market in building off of what has been shared here for it to be used as a tablet or in some equivalent of a docked mode, then 
aligning it with an eGPU to connect and buying that from the same company, well, that just makes them more money. True. The so, one last thing I will say about that is I will give them credit for not just reusing the 1X Player 2 controllers. I swear that I thought that they were just <laughs> going to do that because I they, very much, yeah. they very much did the Apple thing with the keyboard. It's just a bigger version, <laughs> at least from their promotional images. It looks like still the same shitty small trackpad. Yeah, exactly. I, I asked, <laughs> and they said they are going to improve it. So I, I hope that's true. Yeah, that looks improved for sure. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to buy either of these because it's not the device that I want. I don't think. The MS, I'd rather go for the MSI Claw if it had thirty-two gigs of RAM. But I don't know. I'd rather wait for like Thunderbolt Five to come out on something or get something with an Oculus Link with the new Intel chips. But I don't like. I don't know. The One X Player is cool, like the X One, but I don't know if I would buy it. To actually use it, maybe as a desktop replacement. You know, speaking of the desktop replacement again, and then going back to the whole eGPU thing for a moment, that that um, Lenovo TGX with the Oculink, uh, I saw a video that said that suggested a rep saying that they were bundled together, and hopefully Lenovo kind with of the, realizes, yeah, with that the thing laptop, too. yeah. So hopefully okay. they realize that you know, there's a market for that product standalone and they sell that uh, eGPU standalone too because otherwise that would be a big disappointment. What is the price going to be on that though? Holy crap. I don't know, probably probably <laughs> like expensive, but if you gentlemen have heard of Spacetop, um, that that Lenovo, um, sorry, sorry kind of going back in a circle again, that Lenovo ThinkBook Plus Hybrid, the one that, um, you know, has the Snapdragon chip and an Intel chip, they said is like supposed to be two thousand dollars or whatever, but as SBC said, you can run that thing headless. So if you have those uh, XR, MR, AR glasses, you could plug those in to the base, and then someone else could use the the tablet or you know vice versa. Whereas the space top thing is literally just like a keyboard with with a chassis. It has no. It's it's completely headless in its own design, and they want two thousand dollars for it. It's a uh, kind of ludicrous. Well, that's the thing. Like I don't know with these. I haven't, I've yet to see a cheap, affordable eGPU solution or something that wasn't like complete garbage or proprietary or whatever. And like even kind of like putting your own together is a little bit cagey. So it'd be nice if Lenovo or other companies, whatever, got more into the space too to make more standardized Oculink docks instead of just the hodgepodge put to whatever you can find on that backwoods alley not even AliExpress. I can't even remember what website Superbuy, I think, to get all these parts from. I think we're we're in agreement there, and and probably everyone else here tonight is probably in agreement. I, I've been uh, soapboxing with um, some other people um, in my own server in that I don't think that, you know, eGPUs and true desktop replacements, which is a theme that we've been having on the show, I don't think that that's going to become a real reality until these things are actually plug-and-play. Oh yeah, big time. Thunderbolt the... Five is gonna bring it. Oh yeah, Thunderbolt for sure. Thunderbolt Five is gonna bring it. Yeah. But I would say right now, like the most potential plug-and-play solution, unfortunately, is the XG Mobile port, just because it's proprietary software from a big company, so it somewhat, sorta, kind of works sometimes. 
Um, but yeah, it's not very good. So it's the best of the worst right now, basically. Octolink doesn't seem to be too bad, though. I mean, from what hey, I've seen. So it, it depends on where you get your parts from, what the board can actually handle. And then you have to make sure that you can get one. Like, there's all sorts of quality of life things to it, too, to like make it turn on by itself. Or if you have to like supply power to it, then turn it on before you can turn it on like a carburetor in a car. Um, but uh, yeah, so then also with NVIDIA graphics cards, there is an issue that you have to like download. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's some DLL that you have to get to bypass some issue that NVIDIA cards have. But apparently, AMD cards are a little bit more kind of plug and play to my knowledge. Uh, but you do unlike the, uh, ROG ally, you do have to turn it off completely when you plug it in or take it out or whatever. Uh, so with the ROG ally, you can just go right in while it's powered on and take it out. Like you have to go through a shutdown process, but you don't have to power off the console completely to take it out. Whereas the Oculink you do. Wow. Yeah. That's all the more reason why we need a, a better solution, but I would yeah. say, I would say if, if Lenovo releases the, the, their TGX eGPU to the market, at the very least, there is a, you know, a big OEM kind of getting in that space. And hopefully they have enough, you know, pull or sway to work with um, Windows to get this, you know, at least some of the shenanigans under control. I would have well, faith that Lenovo does it better than Asus for sure. <laughs> I think, yeah, like, uh, I don't think they really need kind of like the blessing or like Windows to really kind of help them along, uh, but it'll be more difficult for them for sure. Uh, but as long as like they can put together some sort of package software that is able to recognize whatever graphics card you have, brand generation, whatever, and gets all the appropriate DLLs and all that stuff out of the way then at least it's eliminating all like the variables of when you do some, put something together yourself where some person may have the, some issue that's the exact same issue as you, but the fix won't be the exact same for because it's different parts, right? Yeah, so exactly. at least like it's it's standardized, but not like it'll just come down to software at that point, right? Of the differences of how the Oculink actually interfaces with the device. But as of right now, I don't think there is any sort of like bespoke type of software to really utilize the Oculink and do anything beyond like just going into your device manager and just saying, hey, yeah, my GPU is listed. Yeah, I, I agree. Lenovo, if you're listening, this is this is your <laughs> chance. <laughs> Let's well, take a moment. Go. Let's take a moment to look at the comments. Gamers Generation. What are you seeing? So Jed was wondering about what would happen if someone would uh, upgrade their MSI Claw to have 32 gigs of RAM. And we have some responses from CPPC and Windec Tech. if you gentlemen want to chime in for those not watching the chat. Sure. Um, it does require specific hardware to do it and a lot of experience. It's not something where you can just buy some off-the-shelf RAM and slap it in. You have to actually heat the board up. You have to desolder the memory, resolder new memory. It's very, very, very not not easy. It's not something that someone can just say, I'm going to follow a guide and get it done. You have to have a lot of experience with this. Yeah. I would not advise it. It's like a level 10 out of 10 on the difficulty scale for even experienced solders because I've seen a lot of the people who were initially doing the Steam Decks and the Allies, and they were burning up boards at first, and they were having bad shipments of RAM. 
it's been worked out. There's a there's a method to it, but then you still have to flash the BIOS, and you have to hardware flash it. You can't just upload a different BIOS. You actually have to use a device to either pull the BIOS chip off and flash it separately, or attach it to the board. And it's very tricky, and there's a very high risk of failure if you are not experienced. So don't even count your you know uh, that as being a possibility unless you're willing to pay four or five six hundred dollars to have someone else do it because it is not cheap it's a lot of labor yeah i think when they quoted it out from some dude in the states he wanted like 350 i think for it yep i think and that's not including shipping and everything right and all that so and then on top of that then you need the custom bios and all that uh uh I don't remember, I don't think it's compatible with any of the BIOSes going forward, so it's the same thing with like the Steam Deck HD to my own knowledge, where you have to basically kind of do like their little side load of the BIOS to get everything working right. Yeah, if you want to re-update to the newest BIOS, apparently on the Ally you have to reflash that again, so take it back apart, modify the BIOS, and reflash it Oh crap, even that far, okay. Yeah, so at least it's not, yeah, so the Steam Deck, uh, the Deck HD is a little bit better than that. You just run some command and then it runs their virus filled <laughs> software on it. That sounds a lot easier than the Ally from what I've seen. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if they would give us RAM that was upgradable at least, uh, but I do get why they don't. You know, the speeds of the RAM that's soldered is a little bit faster than your oh, typical laptop RAM. It's like insanely faster now. Like, mm-hmm. like getting onto some of these devices. Like, there's uh, some laptops I saw that were getting up to like eight thousand plus or like close to. Yeah. And like even the the claw, like it's like seven seventy five or seventy six something like that. Or um, I think yes, but the official spec on their website was sixty four hundred though. Oh, was it really? Yeah, that's what their official. Oh shit! Oh, okay, yeah, sixty four hundred. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We're showing huh. it right here on. Yep. Yep. On the stream. Huh. Interesting. Uh, yeah, Jed in chat was saying you can use the alligator clamp. Um, that works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. It's still a process that you have to get past, and it's not like as easy as most people make it look. Uh, a lot of the guys that I personally know who are doing it, and I've had like in-depth conversations with them, and it even makes them nervous when they do it. They've shown videos on it. They've done it a number of times. They've rehearsed it. They got the video down pat. But the problem is it's still a little nerve wracking for an expert to do it. So I don't think it's something that people should be getting their hopes up that they could just watch a YouTube video and do it at home. You still need the equipment to desolder the Ram. Even if you could get the Ram soldered on yourself, uh, you still need a hot air rework station. You still need a board heater and all that stuff. It's not something that you could just go on Amazon and spend 50 bucks and buy a soldering iron and say, yeet. It's a lot harder than that. Unfortunately, it looks easy. I mean, we got people on Reddit asking all the time in the uh, Steam Deck and the Legion Go form, mm-hmm. and they're saying, can we get 32 gigabytes on there? How can I do that? Mm. And if you have to ask the question, if you don't understand oh, how yeah. to do it, you shouldn't even be doing it. Correct. Yeah. Period. Uh, unfortunately, right? But I mean, I don't... I don't blame them to some degree because some people might assume like oh it's like a laptop maybe right like they saw like oh somebody did a 32 gig so then they just assume like oh it's just a simple sodium chip that they throw in right but it's right it's it's one of those things right where i can see how some people just wouldn't understand like how involved the process is behind it right 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's definitely not something for a novice solder, and I've got some of the tools to try to attempt it, and I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> see, see. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd actually like to throw in the other side of the conversation to this, and, and it's not about the ability to do it. It's whether it's whether or not it makes sense. Period. Right. I mean, if you look at the cost side alone, as Windec Tech had mentioned, I mean, at the rate that these handhelds are coming out. And if we assume that um, MSI has already said that the claw is going to be, you know, um, like a long lasting product, they plan to make yeah. more of them. Right. So if we just assume that they know and they're watching the markets, I would not at all be surprised if next generation Legion Go or next generation ROG Ally or the one after that, you know, comes with 32 gigabyte, uh, 32 gigabytes of RAM to begin with. Oh, yeah, I mean? And so like you spent 350 or whatever. Okay, great. Yeah, you're good for now or whatever, but then your handheld just gets replaced in a year or whatever anyway. So Plus like, that. right? Yeah, so it doesn't really make sense even from a financial standpoint is what no. I would argue. What I, what I expect to see from Asus and Lenovo is just a pro version of whatever they have out now. Um, so that'll be with the updated whatever Dragon range or Hawk point, whatever they're they're calling the 8000 series chips. And then they'll probably have a 32 gigabyte option along with a terabyte. And then that will probably just live alongside the regular Ally. I don't know if they would update all of them to the 8000, but I could see them keeping around the 78 or the uh, Z1 Extreme, I guess. Um, and But at, at that point, right, like, I don't know. Well, oh, I yeah, think I, we can. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no worries. I think we can go ahead and transition to our third topic, if agreeable. And our third topic is the launch of NVIDIA for the super versions of the 4070, 4070 Ti, and the 4080 dates are for this month. And this is according to the CES 2024 virtual keynote that NVIDIA gave. And this refresh is considered one for the 40 series lineup. So let me transition to you, Gamers Generation. What are your thoughts on NVIDIA making this move? Is NVIDIA trying to make up for what it couldn't do originally with some of the 40 series graphics cards? Or is NVIDIA trying to get rid of some of its spare die that didn't quite make it with the initial release of the 40 series cards, these particular ones? Great questions. Absolutely not are they trying to make up for anything. Jensen only cares about new leather jackets and maybe uh, the Omniverse. And that um, was just my attempt to be impartial with N NVIDIA, <laughs> by the way. So yeah, keep it yeah. impartial for um, our viewers, but I leave see, it to you. I, I do think that CPPC needs to get his hands on a 4070 Ti Super uh, Gaming XZ Trio something. Um, but... There are some interesting price propositions for um, new people who are in the market for new GPUs. If you have like one of the 40 series cards, there's probably no point in trying to get one of these new ones now. I would say, if you oh. have a new, if you have a, if you have a, uh, you know, Radeon 7000 series card, there's probably not any point in in getting one of those either. Um, unfortunately, it's just one of those like mid uh, mid cycle refreshes that they're doing now. Unless yeah. you're going 4080, 4090. <laughs> that would be an exception, yeah. From, from everything that I've heard so far as well, because um, because 
the 4080 Super is going to replace the 4080. If someone was in that market of spending $1,000 for their GPU, especially like today, then the 4080 Super looks uh, much more appetizing because unfortunately oh, yeah. the 4090 has gone up in price. Uh, that that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it's like the great deal or anything, but it's a better deal for sure, right? No, especially compared against the uh, XTX, is, aren't they both clocked in at the same price? Thereabouts. Uh, the XT, so so the 7900 XT has steadily dropped, I believe, under $800 now. And yeah. the XTX... No, no, the, the XTX, sorry. Yeah, and the, the XTX can be found for like 900 950 The other day it actually dropped okay. to like 850 I think, or 800 okay. And and the XTX, um, it goes head to head with the 4080. Um, it can, they kind of trade blows depending on what the game is and depending if you know how heavy their ray tracing loads are. Um, yeah, so at so, this point, like it's pretty much like a hundred to hundred and fifty dollar upcharge for 4080 Super with right. DLSS better ray tracing, basically. Yeah, right. So the 4080 Super, I imagine, will be you know will beat the the 7900 XTX in most in most areas. So if you are like, you know, team red, just look for a sale. Right. And, and you're going to, you're, you're going to save yourself some more money. Um, so uh, a lot of times now they're also bundling in games too, oh, yeah. uh, on, on both sides, more so, so than more so than Nvidia AMD does. I find. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, someone who's looking for, uh, for something like right now, um, yeah, there, uh, especially like in the mid to higher end that there is, you know, better stuff. Unfortunately, I, I mean, I don't think that there's anything particularly great, um, uh, once you drop off to like around the 400, uh, and lower price point, but, um, you know, that that's uh, what, it, what the it, new, what, uh, what the heck is it? The, the 7,600 <laughs> XT, yeah. mm, that's that, that looks yeah. very similar to a 6,700 XT, um, which is which is much cheaper. I don't know. Um, CPC, yeah. do you watch any of that lower market? Yeah. So I would like to uh, put a couple two cents in here. I I honestly have a lot of people in my community who build PCs as well as me, and we're all kind of like just drooling at the mouth here because we're gonna get some price drops across the board on all the GPUs. It looks like they actually have some of the specs out for some of these and what i am seeing is the 4070 ti super is like the sweet spot everybody's always asking me what's the best bang for the buck and you know initially the 4070 ti when it came out had a really bad like you know everyone hated it but the people who bought it the people who bought it loved it it wasn't a bad card it was just it was. not what we wanted price wise but it's still if you compare for example the 4070 ti to the ti super it's actually a pretty good jump in performance on paper, from what I'm seeing, you're getting a little bit more VRAM, 16 gigs instead of 12. You're getting a little bit faster uh, bandwidth, and I think it's going to come in at either the same or a better price. I believe it's supposed to be lower. I think it's the same as the price. They're replacing the, the MSRPs. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I really, you know, I really want to see what's going to happen with the rest of the stack. I'm pretty sure everything else is just going to go down a little bit as well. Uh, I think the 4080 Super was coming at 9.99, so it's like so 200 the... bucks cheaper. Right. Yeah, so so the 4080 is being retired. The 40 uh, the Correct. 4070 Ti 40 is being 70. retired as well. Right. Yeah. And then the 4070 will stay at the at the 500. Yeah. Um honestly, I'm happy for it. I wish they were lower. It does suck how much GPUs have gone up in price. It's kind of something we can't change. I wouldn't expect them to just keep getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Everybody's been waiting on a deal. A lot of people are like, "Oh, I'll wait for the 4090 to be 800 bucks and look at where it's at now." It just it, it's not going to come down that low like we used to see gpus unfortunately i think the manufacturers have gotten a little on the uh, profit margin hungry side which is 
kind of par for the course for every company. Well, but, that's, hmm? that's why EVGA got out of the game too, right? Like there was just nothing, to make a there was nothing in it for them really. Yeah, it's very tough for these AIB partners to make a buck. It really is. And unfortunately, we have the prices we have. You kind of have to pick what you want. Uh, but most of the people I know who either bought it when it came out, whatever GPU they wanted, they love it. They've had a lot of fun with it. And then the people who didn't, they're still using their, you know, five, six, seven, eight year old GPU and waiting for these things to drop in price. And a lot of them are starting to look at the prices either go up or stay the same. And they're like, man, I should have just bit the bullet and bought it when I could. And I could have been enjoying it this entire time. If yeah. you're looking to upgrade from 40 series, don't. I wouldn't. Uh, if oh, you have like a 4070 no. or 4060, just keep it, enjoy it, you know, and then wait for the next generation to come around. I just don't think that. The TI supers are just uh, going to make anyone need to go out and go buy anything. It's not a substantial upgrade, but if you're looking to build today. It's the only way I could see somebody upgrading to it is if they're upgrading from like a 4060 or 6600 or something like that yeah. or 7600, whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> beyond that, though, like, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Like, 4080 super looks okay like it's all sure. it's obviously better than the 4080 uh the 4070 ti super i do believe i i, I think that had the biggest performance jump between like all the so that's kind of like yeah honestly my go-to would be the 4070 ti super if you could but with that being said my brother has the 4060 uh not the crap one <laughs> um <laughs> the good one and he he's fine with it he likes it he loves it he's running triple monitor 1080p setup and he's good to go with it like he has no problems yeah i mean i've been testing uh one of the new laptops i have and it's got a 4060 40, in it. don't you have the 4090 one as well i do i've got two yeah testing yeah, 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 yeah. I want to, I want to grab the forty ninety mobile. I, that's why I've honestly, I, I've been really blown away with the laptop GPU performance this generation more than anything. True. I've had the forty fifty, forty sixty, forty eighty, and the, yeah, no, that's it. Forty fifty, forty, yeah, and then the the XG mobile ones. But honestly, like seeing like the forty fifty and the forty sixty, that those things were able to like run, like fourteen forty p. Yeah. native in, in some games and then like dlss and whatever and a couple others right but like i was pretty impressed by that and then if you get like a laptop that has just a 1080p high refresh screen with a 4050 4060 you're laughing yeah yeah these these laptops are giving you a lot of bang for the buck and coming in at around 1100 bucks for the one that i tested on the 4060 model it was mm -hmm. a very good good value and the oled screen is just oh the chef's kiss is just so beautiful I think that's the the spot that we're going to see this year is a lot of OLEDs. That's one of the other things I, I forgot to mention about is the OLEDs yeah. just coming out left and right on oh, everything. Yeah. High refresh. So I, yeah, I, I love the OLEDs. I've, yeah, honestly, the high, the, uh, the new Alienware and everything too. And then, yeah, I saw your review with the new OLEDs. The, the 4090 has uh, not an OLED though, right? It's not, the 4090 is not an OLED, but the screen does still look really good. Um, right. OLED wise, did you see the Asus one that was like 480 hertz, I believe, on the OLED? Yes, yes. That one was pretty sweet. Can be very pricey, but the text quality was kind of the only thing that was lacking for me. But it's a gaming monitor. You're not going to be doing that. Wow. You know, well, it's all the thing with a lot of these was that the WGX or whatever i think oleds or w oleds i think they are is that they're worse for uh text i think qd oleds still the best at this point mm -hmm. um those are there's new monitors coming out in smaller sizes with the qd oleds too which is nice 
So it'll be nice for people that don't want like a 40 some odd inch or ultra mega wide on the monitor. Yeah, the price is still really crazy on some of the OLEDs. Even oh, yeah. a 4K 27 inch is, you know, five to $800. They are very yeah. high on the price. I uh, want them I, to come down. I still find that a little bit more reasonable than spending like probably like a year ago for something that would have cost you like two grand, right? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm torn with the OLEDs. Like, I love OLED, but it just, I still love mini LED as well. Like, mini LED, when done really well, can get stupid bright, and it's real nice. Like, I've got the uh, the Zephyrus M16 laptop with the, the 4080, uh, and it's got the mini LED screen that they have, and holy crap, it gets, like, eye-searingly bright. Wow. Yeah, typically would uh would turn the brightness down some of the super bright monitors, but, like, if you if you're gaming on an entry level OLED, it does leave you a bit uh, wanting in the brightness department for sure. That's something that's like it's a give and take with them. And I get it, but I always would like quality over brightness because brighter like isn't always better per se. It still has to have the colors to go with it. Because like I've got a lot of bright displays, and I'm just like, oh, it's bright. Like I, I know a lot of people love super bright displays. Oh yeah, yeah. I, no, I, no, I yeah, I don't want the middle of the road. It has to, yeah, they have to go hand in hand, but I find the biggest thing uh, with HDR, with proper HDR, is you need at least like a thousand nits brightness, I would say, at bare minimum, to get a proper HDR experience. And that's where, like OLED with the contrast, you can get a decent HDR experience, but with those brights, you're still going to be lacking. Whereas, like, so when I'm playing on, I have the C248 inch OLED that I use as my main like desktop monitor so i play on that like in the basement or do whatever and lights off so it's bright enough because it's in a lights off basement but on the laptop having the the full mini led whatever local local array dimming screen they can get up to i think like 1200 1300 nits peak brightness or something like that on a laptop like wow. it's literally like a flashbang to your face of how bright it can get <laughs> So what's your opinion on, on HDR? I, I, I daily Gentlemen. drive the Samsung uh, G9. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we kind of went way off track. <laughs> can, we, can we go back to the 40, 40 series okay. for a second? Sorry. Can you, um, each one of you, just tell me which card you would recommend for um, someone in the market to buy a new GPU and which ones you would just, uh, you know, hard pass on? If you're if you're trying to save a buck, yeah. get the 4070 Ti Super. If you've got an extra 200 bucks, get the 4080 Super. Those are my only two recommendations. I mean, the, getting the 4070, that's eh, you know, it, it's it's not as good in my opinion as just spending a couple extra bucks and getting a 4070 Ti. But you're really close to the 4080 Super, so eh, or depends. or just honestly go 7800 yeah. XT. Yeah, honestly. If you're like in that price range or look for something high end 6,000 series. That's true. All right. Gamers generation. Do you want to tell us what's in the comments for this topic? Uh, we have uh, Paco who is still rocking his 3080 TI. And I think that um, he says he's going to skip uh, this generation. Uh, this is probably a, a sound idea. If you have a high end 30 series card, for a, a lot of our fans out there. One thing I would say is that... Uh, let me just stop you there. You probably paid way over MSRP for that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if it was a 380 uh, Ti. <laughs> the, one, the one thing I will say is that, um, you know, something that's always uh, foreboding for all of us, even in the handheld spaces, the VRAM, right? 
And so for desktop GPUs, it seems like 12 gigabytes of VRAM is okay for now. But, you know, as soon as the next big AAA title hits us and 16 gigabytes is now the minimum, you're looking at something like the 4070 Ti Super, which uh, these two these two gentlemen were just talking about being your bare minimum. And that's the unfortunate reality that we're looking at. And if the rumors about the next 50 series Blackwell are true, we're probably not going to get that much more in the price to performance um, area. But of course, these are just early speculations and we're, we're really early on that. Um, Joe, do you mind if I transition really quickly to the next topic? Sure. Um, on this topic about GPU performance and what cards you should get. We're are we are really enjoying ourselves on the handheld space because of things like FSR technology, upscaling technology, and of course frame generation. Um, I know my friend here, Windec Tech, has been playing around with this. Um, so, you want to lead us off with what you're um, experimenting with in the lab? Oh well, frame gen is awesome. End of story. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so right now, the honestly, first I hadn't touched the fluid motion frames at all from AMD. I was just gonna wait for like the official launch drivers, and now they are coming out. Uh, was it January twenty sixth or something? Somewhere around there, twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah, so the lossless scaling for those that aren't familiar with it, you might have heard about them recently because they did recently add their own proprietary frame generating software or whatever you want to call it into their app. So loss of scaling, it's basically, uh, it's just an upscaling app. So you can use it to upscale like from portrait and bring it to landscape. So I've used it before with Steam Deck running Windows. Um, so you can use that to do like the auto rotation. So with that, they have their frame generation tech and same as any other frame generation tech, they recommend having a base of 60 FPS and then so it can double up to a high refresh. So in my testing so far, honestly, it's not that great <laughs> in either less than ideal conditions or ideal conditions. Um, I've used it on the handhelds. I've used it on desktop, laptop, whatever. Uh, and the highest refresh rate monitor that I have in the house is 244 and even going up to like 244, like doubling up from that it's i don't know there's just a lot of like the doubling of the image same with like early kind of dlss 3 frame generation there's doubling of the ui even like if you have an overlay on your screen that will double itself as well not just like the map ui uh so yeah it's it's in very early stages so i can't really put too much on them but honestly compared to the fluid motion frames which i had just tested out like uh, yesterday and today Fluid motion frames is a lot better when it works in its ideal conditions, I would say. Unfortunately, neither of these are going to be some handheld savior god that's going to bring 30 FPS to 120 FPS and make it feel amazing. It's not even going to bring it up to 30 to 60 and make it feel amazing. Um, one thing that I was kind of playing around today with Cyberpunk cranked up like to make it run at 20 FPS on my desktop and then enabling just frame generation, which brought it up to about 40 FPS and the massive delay from playing that and then enabling or disabling frame generation, enabling just DLSS quality. And it brought it up to around the same FPS, but it felt a hundred times better to play. And that's all I can honestly say for people that haven't really played with any sort of frame generation tech is that 
it's yeah it's just not going to bring up the low end fps like people are unfortunately hoping for it's only going to service the higher frame rates at this point maybe in the future it can get a lot better but at this point it's it's no it, it, it's only going to be reserved for 60 fps plus so i'd like to interject here because um uh windec tech just like upsold you guys and then and then he was like no it's it's terrible um i'm gonna i'm gonna contradict him just a little bit here and I want I want our listeners to know that there is a lot of confusion when it comes to this frame generation, frame interpolation type of stuff. Uh, and the frame generation that Windec Tech is referring to is at the driver level. So when we're talking about fluid motion frames, this is AMD's fancy way of saying they're going to put a frame in the middle of a real of two real frames to give you more FPS. But because they're putting in this extra little frame in there, it increases your latency. This is different from the FSR3 frame generation mod that we talked about in a previous episode, which works at the game level. And at the game level, it works similarly in the sense that they add in a little frame and they add in one frame in the middle of two frames. But because the mod has more access to things like uh, like uh, vector data, it's, a le- it's able to better process the image and it doesn't look like everything's just completely garbled and doubled. At least now in some of the games with this updated mod that I've been testing out. So yeah, with DLSS and uh, frame gen combined, I've, I've actually been using frame gen a lot on that 4060 laptop. And on Modern Warfare, mm-hmm. for example, it gave you a good little bit of boost. Oh yeah. I, I didn't notice any type of negatives or drawbacks to it like I thought I would. I thought I would notice more input latency, but even on a competitive shooter, you're starting out with let's say 100 fps yeah, you exactly, frame gen, right. get you an extra 10 15 fps it, it just gets you to the sweet spot where it feels smoother and i haven't had any input issues per se especially on something like forza or anything else that's like over 100 fps or over 75 like like when was saying it does make a difference i wouldn't count on it as a feature to help you get from 20 to 40 but if you're already over you know, 100 and your refresh rate's 120 and you like to target that refresh rate like I do, it can get you to that sweet spot where then you could lock your FPS at 120 instead of just overdriving it to 130, 140, 150 and wasting frames. You could yeah, um, that's increase the 1% lows that way. So the best way I've found to, or that I've found to use frame gen, unless it is built in with the game, but even then, sometimes it can get a little bit wonky. Honestly, just lock your frame rate. So yes. whether you're locking it with the refresh rate of the monitor or even less than if you can't hit the maximum of your monitor. Mm-hmm. So if you can only hit 120 of your 240 monitor or whatever, whatever, just lock it at 120. And then I find with that, it it does smooth out the frame pacing. Uh, and frame pacing is key. So with the more so with the loss of scaling than with the AMD fluid motion frames. Uh, so with the loss of scaling, you definitely need to have a locked FPS going into it. So and then you need to half your FPS of your refresh rate of your monitor. So if you have uh, 120, you need to lock your frame rate to 60, then enable it, and then it'll double it to the 120 or what or supposed 120. But even then, it's not perfect. The fluid motion frames, though, I've found is a bit more forgiving. Uh, I've been able to kind of run it from like you can run it on whatever, obviously, but even running it on Cyberpunk uh, at like 720p upscaling from or not upscaling, but generating from 40 
uh, up to about 80 to 90. It doesn't feel great, but it's playable. Like it's, I don't know, like there's people out there that don't play with game mode turned on on their TV playing on a console, right? So there's going to be people out there that are completely fine with playing this upscaling from 10 FPS, 720p with frame gen on whatever to, just to get like maybe 40, 50 FPS. There's going to be people that are going to play games with it. No problem. I'm sure. So, so right. Let me ask you this real quick, if you don't mind. If you've if you've tried out the the FNF, basically, if if you look at the caveats to it, is it worth it? Because some people were saying there's caveats like you have to have VSync disabled and you can't run FSR with it and you can't so, use some of the FPS counters. Is that is that true? So, with my experience with the fluid motion frames right now, using it on a seven eight forty U device and presumably the actual AMD GPUs. You need to use their uh, frame counting software to be able to read like the frame gen uh, output. And it'll give you actually some decent details. So it'll give you frame gen like input delay, micro stutter percentage, uh, and it'll give you 1% lows and the active readout of the FPS. So it's not it's not terrible. But when I forced it onto the ROG Ally, it's not giving me any sort of FPS readout. But when I use it on the GPD Win Max 2 or the uh, the crap INEO Air 1S, it works no problem there. So what I found with this is so with loss of scaling, you need to be running it in windowed mode or borderless full screen. With the fluid motion frames, you need to be running full screen exclusive and you need to have VSync turned off. Right. So from my experience, it doesn't honestly seem and i don't know gamers generation you might be able to speak to this as well it seems like that there is some sort of v-sync turned on on the driver level because it doesn't honestly seem to be that much screen tearing in my experience as if like v screen or if v-sync was fully off as opposed to with uh frame gen on nvidia like dlss3 frame gen properly built in you can go up and above your frame or of your refresh rate because you can't have vsync on on that either and that will give you screen tearing so you have to limit your frame rate uh, at the hardware level for that um but yeah i'm not sure if you noticed any in your experience or yeah um i will say with lossless i'm not entirely sure that it's working properly in in my basic testing over the past couple of days uh i think from my understanding of the way that the the frame interpolation or frame generation works on loss lossless scaling is that it's somehow capturing the image from like the windows graphics driver or something so then maybe it's capturing the full image before it extrapolates uh, another image uh, and that's why we don't really see as much tearing. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think that's how it works. So um, one, just while I speak in specifically about the windowed, one thing for the uh, da, 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 frame gen for DLSS is you need to specifically go into gaming mode or into your graphic settings under Windows and then change your default graphic settings to optimizations for windowed games. Um, so you need to have that turned on A for auto HDR and B to be able to use frame gen on NVIDIA cards. So I turned that on for my testing just because I figured, okay, if it's needed for NVIDIA, then I can assume that lossless might need it in some way or AMD might need it in some way, even though they use full screen exclusive. So might be worth, it might already be on, but might be worth trying to tool around with that as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, one thing, uh, one other thing I'll mention, uh, 
I was saying for a couple of weeks ago that I was testing the Luke FZ uh, FSR3 frame generation. So that's at the game level. There are a couple of games, uh, I think it's like a handful now, where the UI is fixed and you don't see any kind of garbling. I know for our handheld viewers or hand, our, our handheld audience, in my experience, in my opinion, I think you can very much play at 12 watts is what I tested on my Win Mini. I played 1080p medium settings for Cyberpunk, and, and the game is heavily modded too. And I was getting about like 50 to 55 FPS. Mind you, this is not real, F, quote unquote, real FPS, right? But I would say, I would say it feels close to that. It at least feels closer to maybe like in the 40s than it does, at, than it does to like 25 or 30. So I think it is very much usable in certain contexts, particularly like a single player game, uh, Cyberpunk being the one. Uh, I also forgot to mention that um, Intel is actually also creating their own frame generation technology. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's called Extra SS. And Extra SS is hopefully something we would expect to see on the MSI Claw too. And because Intel XESS, their uh, DLSS or FSR equivalent is kind of is a bit more open than, say, DLSS is, maybe we can get to try that technology on, you know, our AMD devices too when it comes out. Some games you can actually choose, uh, like for example, Modern Warfare. You can actually choose XESS, on Cyberpunk as well. Yeah, oh, okay. that's right. Yeah, not, yeah. not from not frame gen though, just through upscaling. Not the frame yeah. gen. Yeah, yeah not upscaling. upscaling. Yeah. I've yeah. tried. The XESS. It's very, it's very good. Um, it's better than uh, FSR, to my knowledge, unless uh, unless it's going up against like the very latest version of FSR two. Generally, the XESS is better, from what I've heard, but. I don't. Yeah, I just use image quality. Yeah, I was about to say for image quality, for yeah. sure it is. But for FPS, if you're trying to compete, uh, most of the time I would do FSR on the Ally or any of that AMD powered handhelds. But on PC, on desktop with NVIDIA, I always use DLSS. But yeah, the 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 frame gen technology, it's it's great. I'm hoping that Intel will really compete in that market. That's probably the biggest thing that we really should keep an eye on is what Intel is going to do with the frame gen and. The How interesting well is working with the AI. The computers. interesting thing about the extra SS that they're calling it is it's not frame interpolation, it's frame extrapolation. So instead of creating a frame in between in between two frames, they're doing something like creating a frame after two frames are generated. So I'm not exactly sure how that'll work with latency, but apparently there's like a whole white paper on it. Okay. We will have to get our hands on that white paper. For the next <laughs> podcast. Speaking of next podcast, for a topic that we have for discussion is the A&EO Next Light. Do we want to save that for next week, or do we want to touch on that briefly before we reach our conclusion to our show? Well, it's already dead on arrival. I'd be, yeah. yeah. How, how hard do you want to laugh? skipping it. <laughs> We want to end, end end the show with a laugh from our audience, right? Okay, so yeah. let's let's touch on this. Is sure. it the Steam Deck killer? No, no. <laughs> I I could smell their BS as soon as I saw like the first thing for it, saying, "Oh yeah, it's the first thing to run Steam OS since the Steam Deck." Like yeah, bullshit. They're running some sort of <laughs> distro, and then sure enough, oh no, it's running Hollow OS. <laughs> Or ISO you, you or whatever because it was a typo. <laughs> yeah, I don't 
I mean, I'm not one to discourage people from buying anything. You can buy whatever floats your boat. Um, if if someone was to ask me, should they buy this or the Steam Deck? I would say Steam Deck. Just do not like. Yeah, this is silly, guys. This is just super silly. It's like if it came with the 6800U, then hell yeah, buy it over. <laughs> buy it over the Steam Deck. Well, with it. you can only get it with the 4800U. Like my yeah. goodness. And and that one's not even three hundred dollars. It's the forty five hundred U that's three hundred dollars. Yeah. Right? Like with Vega graphics. Like I oh my god. So do any of you have an opinion on why ANEO would want to compete with the Steam Deck in this regard and the pricing point as well? Is it competing though? Well I've got to take care. That's why I said try to compete. Emulation. Hundred percent. Oh yeah. Good emulator. But, what, but they have the flip for that. The the skew before this one. The eight forty U, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not that's not <laughs> that's not the same price category. Correct. This this I could see being. I don't know if you don't want an Android emulator, if you don't want uh, a whatever. Then you want something that can also play other games, but you're mainly just playing classic games on it. Then I could see this being as an option, but at that point, what does a Steam Deck cost in US? Uh, what's the base one cost now? It's around three hundred. It's still it's still three ninety nine, but that's it, now for the five twelve uh, two fifty six gig model. Oh, get the Steam Deck. Oh my god, I thought it was like 50 bucks or maybe 100 bucks more. And get the Steam get, Deck. Yeah, and you can, get no way would I get <laughs> you can get official refurbs like from exactly. Valve directly for like 312 or something like that. Oh my god, I was thinking that this thing was like 100 bucks, maybe 50 bucks cheaper than the cheapest Steam Deck. Holy, because <laughs> like Canadian pricing is just way off on it. So, oh my god. Yeah, get the Steam Deck. No way would I say get this. <laughs> yeah, the Steam Deck recertified 319 for 256 gig or 359 for the 512 right you can even go down as low as the 279 dollars for the 64 gig and then you could just buy yourself a one terabyte nvme and slap it in and call it good that's what i would do personally like is there anything special about this no (laughs) master controllers sbc did you have a take on this yeah, I was just thinking. I mean, I was really trying to push the market in a different direction. Maybe they got a bunch of these chips left over from the original INEO series and they're trying to dump it. Or maybe they're really trying to come up with ways to get more budget-friendly devices. I mean, they had the Mendocino chips and those Intel chips on the um, yeah. Air, Air Plus there. And they couldn't they couldn't keep the $300 price, right? Kind of and so this like one, leftover stuff. Yeah. It could be. Uh, it could be. I well, mean, no, I, I agree that they're trying to get rid of their chips, but this is by no means budget in any way. Nah. No, if it was $100 cheaper, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, sure, maybe. Yeah, if they were coming in, I would, I would get it over an Android handheld if it was 100 bucks cheaper. Not talking about the four, the 4,500, talking about the 4,800 yeah. being 100 bucks cheaper. <laughs> For reference, for anyone that is unaware, these chips also come with Vega graphics, which are no longer officially supported by AMD. 
my laptop that I use for just Linux and like VNs and stuff, it came out in 2020 with the 48 whatever the heck, I think 48U. And yeah, that that's how old it is. It's a, it's a great chip for laptops and being power efficient, but I wouldn't game on it. Absolutely not. Gamers Generation, looking in the comments, anything of interest for this handheld? Lower than a mobile 1050 Ti. Is it <laughs> is it interest or contempt or curi morbid curiosity? Morbid curiosity. Curious. Let's go to that level. Uh, yeah. So for any so so for anyone that is genuinely curious, I mean. You don't have to take our words for it. Just wait for some independent benchmarks. But I think we're all quite confident that this thing cannot compete with the Steam Deck. What What was the relevant chip, the, the 5800U, right, that came out just when the Steam Deck came out? And even then, yeah, that had, that had Vega Graphics still, right? It was the 6000 right. series. Yeah, so even then, like, the 5800U wasn't very compelling versus the Steam Deck. So it wasn't until, yeah, like, it wasn't even until, like, the 6800U devices. But even those, like, finding those secondhand is hard here and there, but then finding them online for a decent price, too, like, I don't know. Just get the Steam Deck. Steam Deck OLED. All right. I do well, feel sorry, Joe. Oh, well, I was going to say we could transition, but are there any other thoughts? I just wanted to add um, this and make this this type of a conversation, the Ioneo Next Lite uh, versus a Steam Deck, uh, sort of analogous to the the conversation that we had earlier about like a Claw versus a One X Player X One. The fact that a Steam Deck is also much more accessible, um, you know, it kind of makes it the easy choice. Yeah, you can get it not everywhere, but you can get it in a lot of places. Like it's yeah. I and I can't know. speak yeah. to the Halo ISO that's installed on the light, of course, but the customizations with the Steam Deck as well with the CSS integration, I think it is with like Decky plugins, for example, to provide some variety as well to how it how it looks when you use it the interface all right well i think we can transition to our final segues before we sign off for the night we can start with what games we are playing I myself have been jumping back into Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, but am looking forward to the Prince of Persia game that releases tomorrow, early release. How about each of you? Any, any more benchmarking? Any new games that anyone is playing? I haven't played a ton of games lately, but I'm still primarily just doing Modern Warfare every day. But uh, now that I have the blue motion frames installed on the ally i've got a ton of games tonight i have to benchmark and test so i'll be going through the ringer with forza and tomb raider and just the whole usual slew of games but honestly there hasn't been a ton of games interesting i know i'd started playing um ready or not and that's been quite fun but just little time windec tech gamers generation project sbc 
Yeah, um, I've been same as you. I've been I reinstalled Cyberpunk to get Phantom Liberty. I've had it since launch, and I've not played it. I was playing it for five minutes just before we got on here, and I was just looking at all the path tracing stuff, and I was marveling at that. But I've still not even stepped foot in the Phantom Liberty. Uh, what I've been playing mostly though is the finals. Uh, if any of you have been playing it, it came out like very, very late December. I think like just before Christmas, a week or two before. I uh, played that... the closed beta for that. I enjoyed oh, it. Oh, did you? Yeah, sure yeah. Did. no, it's it's really good, honestly, for a free to play first person shooter. There's no like you can obviously buy your cosmetics and whatever, but I've not once ever felt the need to buy anything. Because you just unlock like all the stuff that you need through like playing naturally and getting coins to buy your weapons and stuff, but you can't buy coins to buy the weapons. So, and it, it doesn't take long. It's not whatever. But yeah, if you if you miss Bad Company One and Bad Company Two, especially, I would suggest checking it out. All right. Well, for our next concluding segue. We have what next videos are you working on? Windeck Tech, you did share what you were doing in the lab. Anyone else have any interesting videos that they are working on? Doing some laptop reviews, finishing up comparison video between the 4060 and the 4090, and if it's worth it to jump that much up in price. And uh, going to have a few more as well on desktop side as well. But Very nice. That's about it for now this week. When I'm going to be working on a preview. Preview, oh, you said? I'm going to chime in here. I'm gonna, yeah, preview of my upcoming software. I know Gamers Generation has been uh, a little tester here and there, and uh, I've been trying to work on the keyboard functionality and uh, kind of implementing like a Steam Deck-like keyboard on Windows devices where you can control the keyboard with the two joysticks. Ooh. And that's coming along very nicely, so I'm uh, probably going to show that off here in the next few days. Very nice. Nice. Wonderful. We are looking forward to that. It is very cool. Uh, you will all be floored. And when you are floored, make sure that you hit up SBC's channel. Um, <laughs> I will say um, after he says it's okay, I will make a video uh, showcasing the software as well. But as of right now, I'm actually uh, dabbling in a lot of VR stuff. And so uh, I'm working on oh, a nice. guide. Uh, guide for uh, VR actually on the Legion Go. Um, that should be up in the next couple of days or so. Um, and I've also been dabbling in UE, uh, UE VR, which is Unreal Engine VR. Uh, for those of you un yeah. uh, unfamiliar <laughs> with that, that is uh, an injector, which basically means you load up your flat game, as uh, VR enthusiasts call it, and then you sideload this, this um, mod, basically, which then makes the game VR. Basically, uh, I've been trying it out in Hogwarts Legacy, and it's a brand new game. It's like being in the world, in the wizarding world. Uh, so hopefully I can get that working on the go as well, uh, and, you know, I'll have a guide for that too. That's exciting. But are you, so I know with that, I read a little bit into it, I haven't used it myself. Are you first person in Hogwarts Legacy, or are you just using your head as the camera and, like, trailing behind your character? So the beauty of that mod is, like, the camera is is essentially free-floating, and you can, like, move it and lock it where you want to. And their okay. Discord community has shared profiles where you basically um, take that first-person view, and they make what they call the pawn, which is the character, invisible. 
So you're right. basically playing first person. Uh, first person in that game is a little bit jank, though, because once you start talking to an NPC or something like that, the camera goes all wonky. I assume because, like, the player character is, like, moving their head around or something. But someone right. in the community, like, found an easy fix uh, or a sort of workaround, which is, like, before you go and talk to the NPC, you press you press a button to switch to the third person view, and then you talk to the NPC. You know what I mean? Uh, okay, okay, and, yeah. And that can very much work. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get back into that and um, try some try some other games, too. Um, allegedly, it works perfectly or very well with, like, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. So, yeah, I, I heard I, some I games what that like... Would like. like some games will have like the the motion tracking integrated into it already or working with it in some fashion or something or some yep. something yeah and like they're going to work on a website like showing off which games will be compatible to what degree and stuff so it's yeah, pretty cool there, there is a spreadsheet out there right now i'm not sure how updated it is because it's like one guy updating it but there are a lot of titles i mean we're talking like hundreds already that are at least supported in some way which are which is phenomenal Oh, and and Prey Dog, the developer, is giving it all away for free. So if you want to, nice. if you want to awesome. support the guy, I mean, clearly he's doing a lot of work. Yeah, that sounds really good. I'm just googling off the side here the Hogwarts Legacy uh, multiplayer mod. Nothing really on it for the past. Uh, we didn't get Quidditch. <laughs> Hey, we no, got that Quidditch. game's bad. You don't want. Yeah, that we game. got the we got bad. Quidditch. Uh, what's its name? Champions. Yeah. Champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that other one, a yeah. separate game. Oh, terrible! Damn. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I think we can take on one more segue. We have five minutes until the bottom of the hour. What types of technology are we interested in learning? Let me say more about. From CES, I think we can draw some relevance back to that. If, is there a technology that we saw that we want to learn yeah. more about moving forward? Um, I actually was hoping we could talk about that. The Thunderbolt share uh, mm -hmm. that I saw Linus talk about, that was actually pretty interesting. I, I could come up with a few scenarios on ways I would be able to implement it, but uh, I definitely think that's a good promising tech that we should uh, talk about. If we have time for that. The the one thing there in the video that always gets me is he, he hooks up the, the two computers together and he's just transferring a file back and forth, whatever, just like that. And it, it always gets me that you just can't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, everyone who, anyone who's ever tried to take a USB cable and plug them into two computers, there's no plug-in right? drivers for any of that. Nothing. Yeah. Like, and it's just something so, like, stupidly simple that you think would be stupidly <laughs> simple to implement yeah. right but i'm, I'm sure, like you said like all the driver compatibility and everything like whatever but even like with them trying to integrate the the nearby share from like android into it i found that like janky as heck too like you're basically just relying on like a wi-fi direct or bluetooth connection right like speaking of that android share thing that's that's actually something that really makes me interested about that thinkbook plus hybrid because apparently there's some kind of shared folder um, yeah, for, that Lenovo, for that Lenovo device where you, you know, you dock your, um, you dock your uh, Android tablet, let's say into the base, and then you can share those files in between windows and Android, which is, yeah. Um, yeah. It, something that like we a, wouldn't think. It's a 10 gigabyte uh, yeah. buffer file size. I think like, I right. think you can, That's what I heard too. 
you can like work off both of them or something, but I think you can like you could then transfer it like fully onto whatever device. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say that's impressive. I know some people will probably be disappointed and hope that, you know, that ten gigabytes is larger. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that'd be great. But like ten gigabytes isn't small, I don't think no, either. It's more it's more than enough for like the use cases that I could see people using it for. If you're going to play like because did they say like how much physical storage the Android itself has? I don't uh, recall. I don't think they specified. But like Is that something that you could repartition if you install a larger drive by chance. It sounds like it might be something semi sort of proprietary through their software. I'm not sure because it's Android talking to Windows, right? Mm-hmm. So like even they had um, in the the one video I saw, they were using android as like the monitor and the laptop but then they also had windows running in the background so they had to pull that up as like a projection screen and then they were able to interact with that like basically almost like kind of like a virtual machine in a sense but it's a live running machine but you just have remote access to it yeah we may have some questions in the comments gamers generation let me turn it to you to see if we have something worthy of discussing briefly okay um jed is asking about pre-greased hall joysticks um whether or not they have drift uh i don't know anything about that yeah i I had a question about that as well do they ship the grease with the joystick or is that something separate do you have to go out and buy your own grease how does that exactly work um i can comment on that I i think he's talking about greasing up them oh i know it's kind of like how keyboards are done how they might come pre-lubed or whatever they have switches that are pre-lubed you know we could potentially see that but i'm not sure what system he's commenting on but i know that ally had made a kind of a follow-up video on the hall effect sticks and he may have been uh tossing it off of that so but i I don't know uh windeck were you testing any of the sticks or is that just primarily okus okay no i've i've honestly like with the difficulties i've seen you two have with it i just it's not worth it in my opinion to keep tinkering around with it and to try and find like the magic at least for the ally right like with the steam deck it's pretty much a plug and play drop in mod really but yeah with the ally eh. and then i would even yeah like and it's honestly like Hall Effect for me. It's just not like it's, I know some people think it's like oh it's it's overhyped. It, yeah, like it's God's next child or something like that. Like no, it's it's nice in the sense that the longevity of it. But I've never had a controller, console, handheld, whatever, like outlive itself. <laughs> like like right like. I remember all like back in the day, like the N64 controllers. Yeah, you'd go through like two of those a week or so with the sticks, right? But like nowadays, generally all the first party controllers and peripherals are all pretty decently well made for lifespan of the device, right? Like I've had controllers the whole life of the Xbox One and whatever Xbox 360, and they've been perfect like almost as if day one. Sure, maybe they've like been a little bit more loose or maybe potentially drift a little bit, but honestly, not enough for me to to bother me and at that point i'd probably just buy a new controller at that point right like it's i don't know i know some people like love hall effect but i got some clarification from jed uh my apologies jed i i misunderstood so he was talking about pre-greased uh sticks uh for his ally and whether or not they suffer from drift Uh, i don't think they can but uh 
I think what's happening there is he's seeing some interference from that left trigger. If it's on the left side primarily, and you're seeing it kind of move off to the left or move off to the right, a lot of times that's interference from the trigger because it uses a magnetic sensor and it really messes with those Hall Effect sticks. And that's why I made the video on it because a lot of people were playing first-person shooters or racing games and needing to break going into a corner and they're using that little left joystick to steer and using the trigger will um, reduce the input so your scope would be off, your driving would be off, and so on. And you can reduce the dead zone and the anti-dead zone but it will never fully eliminate it. And there's just not enough shielding over it. It comes with the graphene shielding tape or whatever it is. That stuff just doesn't eliminate it properly. I've, it I've got probably 20 different sets that I've gotten from them and not a single one of them is perfect on the left side or even close. Does it affect the full range of motion or just like the final end point of the it's, trigger? It's, it's both on center that it happens with and at full range of motion. It happens all the way throughout the motion. So okay. if, you're, if you're holding the stick up 5%, 10%, or even 100% and you hit the brake on the left trigger, um, it's going to bonk it out of place uh, significantly. Okay, and okay. You, you have to put the dead zone up really high also to get it to not do it on zero so for example if you're uh, using the left trigger a lot and you don't have it set up that way it's gonna basically think it's drifting so people who don't have it calibrated the correct way um, like most people wouldn't out of the box they would just install it and you know go about their day and calibrate it uh, unless you have those dead zones set correctly it can just start moving on its own when you hit that left trigger mm -hmm. okay I, yeah, like, I don't know, like, at that point, like, for all the trouble that it seems like that is for what it's worth, I'd say just play it, enjoy it, and then sell it in a year or less than a year when Asus puts out their Pro or Ally 2. Yeah, sell okay. it, yeah, like, sell it for the three, four hundred bucks that you'll get for it, and then put it towards a new one, and then that will likely have the whole effect sticks, right? Yeah, or throw it in the trash you, like I did. If you yeah, have interest issues, just buy a stock replacement joystick that's the best way to do it because you'll have a lot better success out of the box just installing it yeah. calibrating it real quick and and you won't have that issue i've got some replacement ones that i've bought and they work just fine but i did not buy it from the same company i, yeah. I bought them from a third-party seller but they or, are yeah. the original oems if it's an immediate thing too, just return it or swap it out whatever true it's the okayest thing to do exactly where's <laughs> um, carl bought when you need it <laughs> yeah so 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 real quick speaking of the you know the hall sticks that's one thing that we didn't really touch upon with um the claw that much right people won't have to replace them because presumably they have them in them right just as a an aside for people it has it in the legion go too and i barely mentioned that in my review because i almost forgot about it and because it's yeah. such a minute point to me <laughs> no you're right but one thing i would say to to the goes regard is um and and joe mentioned this too like we're all waiting for like these like pro controllers or like you know uh extra other controllers so like to me that's less of a detrimental issue if there are like issues with the controls right because they could just ship you new ones you know what i mean like it's not your whole device that is now you know not working right yeah, no, that is true. But still, like, it's one of those things where, yeah, like, the inclusion of Hall Effect on a device will not make or break my decision on buying that device. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the only other question we had, um, Joe, was uh, from Paco. He always, uh, he always memes on me for um, 
doing VR stuff and nobody is talking about Deckard, I guess. Um, if any of you are familiar, this is a Valve's. That's their um, little secret project that they're working on. That's their on, secret right? project that um, a prominent VR YouTuber, sadly, as Bradley, has been leaking data on for oh, well over a year. And unfortunately, we, we have nothing to show for it. Um, so, yeah, I would say don't hold your breath to anyone holding their breath for Deckard. Well, there was people that were hoping it was going to be Steambox 2.0 or whatever at some point, right? And then, then it started kind of getting narrowed down to the VR space. That is the rumor because um, Valve did upgrade recently to Steam VR 2.0. Uh, and Steam VR 2.0 is a big deal for anyone who hasn't used it. Uh, I will mention this in my uh, VR video. But what's cool about it is if you have a headset like a Quest, which now works really well with there's the with native Steam. app for that now right that's right um yeah. and you can actually play flat games in your vr headset meaning that like you know you could boot up cyberpunk it's not going to be a vr game but it looks like you're playing on this gigantic screen right um, and, and it, that's it not something all, like nicely integrated now too that's with right software, and that's right? Yeah. yeah and that's not something that you could do that easily before uh mm -hmm. and and like as an example it might be hard to do like on one of our handhelds but say you're say you have a desktop or like a powerful laptop and you're playing a game, uh, you're playing a game, a flat game in, in Steam VR. So it's it looks like it's a hundred inch uh, projector type thing. You can also attach like a little YouTube video to like your wrist, and then you can listen to like a YouTube video or, yeah, or watch a YouTube right. video too. So like people were speculating because of that big change that Valve must be coming out with their new headset soon, or the Steam uh, Steam Box 2.0, as you said. I don't think there's been enough of a jump in the space VR wise to warrant anything for them to come in with anything that they already have. That's just my opinion though. I know there is obviously things that can be improved like displays, uh, technology, haptics and all sorts of accessories and whatever, but I don't know, like VR for me right now is just so stagnant. Like there's nothing, I don't know. There, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Couple, right you're not. Yeah, yeah, I have, but still, like, like I like it. Yeah, no, I like it, but it's okay. just I don't know. Like, it, it, it that's one game, right? It's like, the it, only it gets game old, that I've played recently, right? VR like, that I was like, oh yeah, yeah. You, you're both like, there's the experiences. Right. It's a lot more with friends, obviously, or whatever, sure. playing with other people. But it, it's I don't know. Like, it, it still seems like it's basically just kind of like in its baby state, and nobody's really taken it seriously yet. Like, not even like like PlayStation. Like, they're going like full swing into it. But like, what games do they have out for right now? Nothing, right? Like, no, you're you're both absolutely right. Like, the biggest thing in the VR space has been that UEVR mod yeah. that I mentioned. That that's probably mm -hmm. the biggest. Oh thing. yeah. And and you're also right about like speculating about what Valve is going to do. There probably isn't a big enough jump. I would also say, and this is something. Paco and I have speculated on before previously is that the quest three, even though it comes in at $500 is really competitive. There isn't really anything mm. that can oh, yeah. do what it can do at that price point. Yeah. And I would also argue that like, because of the pass through, that means like the cameras on the outside of it, like it's the first real headset that is somewhat affordable to, to people that can really take advantage of like mixed reality, you know? So like yeah, shooting oh, yeah. zombies in your own house and stuff like that. So no, I would agree that we're kind of like still in the in the infancy. Valve, I don't think could compete price wise with that. Like I, I, I just don't think they're there yet, and they want to kind of put something out that's going to sell and not just be like, oh, this is really expensive. It's really cool, and just sit there. I think it would sell, but just they want to maximize their profits also. So it's just not there yet. Yeah, I agree, and oh. that's that's probably why they're still like holding with like the Steam Deck having one performance level. Yeah, little tinfoil here for you for Valve. They're waiting. 
to be able to do their own UE plugin thing for whatever games that they're able to certify, like on some sort of Steam Deck compatibility God, type basis. Be, be if awesome. they did something like that, <laughs> whatever, right? Like they, they get that going. But then also the next part of it is the the like portability of it, obviously, right? Like the uh the, the, even like the quest three and whatever those things coming out now like the portability of a vr device what i want right now is would be the size of like the legion glasses or the vitcher glasses right now vi like vr like it's just so clumsy and kludgy for me still right like it's just it's an inconvenience for me to play a vr game most of the time it's funny you mentioned that too because uh shiftall which is i believe a subsidiary of panasonic I didn't mention this during CES, uh, during the RCES roundup, because I, I don't think our shared audience is all that interested. Um, but there is a device called the Megane uh, X uh, Superlight. Uh, Megane means uh, uh, glasses in Japanese. This company, this company is making this headset, which has micro OLED displays in there, an FOV of they say approximately about a hundred or degrees or so, and it's only two hundred fifty grams. So like this thing. Uh, it's going to be expensive for sure, but like in the future, looking future forward, if this thing comes down in price, yeah, I mean, very much people could be adopting that, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I hope so. Well, even uh, Linus had a couple of videos out about like the new micro OLED technology, right? And like the new applications for it, and, like how crazy small these things are. And like even I saw one from uh, Samsung where they put like an OLED screen on their earbuds. So it was like give you information about like songs playing, skip whatever, things like that. But then it's like, oh, this is like years out from production. It's like, what the hell? That seems so simple to do now. Like, why isn't that a thing? <laughs> well, gentlemen, I think we can safely wrap this up. We did have Project SBC need to drop mm -hmm. off. Yeah, not a not a problem. We can end it here. I think we've covered a ton. I think we've had a great show, great information, and we already are looking forward to the next one. Thank you for everyone that did decide to join us and even those that did engage in the chat. Thank you so much. You have made the show even better. So with that, thank you, everyone. Take care, everyone. Yeah. Have a good night. Right. Yeah, you too. Take care. Night.